Hello! And welcome, my love. Come on in, sit down, relax. You got another week of video game frivolity. Video game, as we decided to call them right now this second. I didn't screw it up. We just turned, we changed how the term works. This week, a big PlayStation game coming to PC. Is this what we want from an Uncharted movie? And Mario Party's back to give you palm injuries. My name is Jordan D'Souza. The good news is I have not improved my rhymes. And the good news is I am also joined by Diego Cochting, Rodrigo Cochting. The bad news is that your podcast is in Another Castle, episode 20. 20. Episode 20, gentlemen. Did you think the rhymes would get better by now, or did you, is this the level that you expect them to have stayed at? I, they're pretty good, I'd say. I mean, a little forest, but it's it <laughs> did rhyme, right? You know, it's just I mean, you put, yeah, I was you put say, a little emphasis on it. If anything, this week got worse, because I feel like the other <laughs> weeks you've been doing really well. This week you kind of forced it with the, the intonation, <laughs> but still solid work, I would say. Yeah, I look behind mm-hmm. the curtain. I get one phrase that I like, and then I just try to find other words that rhyme that fit it. <laughs> yeah. So I think... It was like PC, and then I tried to move around there, and it's like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we did the best we could. I think that's all we can yeah, ask. You did great. You did great. <laughs> I guess we can ask me to be better, but I'm, I'm not going to ask that of myself. No one's going <laughs> to ask that of me. I'm not going to ask that of myself. Gentlemen, what I will ask you this week is what you're playing. Rodrigo, I'll start with you. What you playing? Um, I've been playing a variety of things. Uh, I got back into Gemstone, which is an Apple game. It's like a puzzle game, but it's a very well-made puzzle game in that it feels like you're playing something more elevated than, say, like, what is the Facebook one that everybody always plays? Can't even remember. It's escaping. Candy Crush? Candy Crush. It's, it's, It's like, it's something like Candy Crush, but it's like way better. It's like, it feels more like an actual video game than compared to something like... Like Candy Crush, but you feel better for yourself for playing... And it again, it's like I want to stress that a lot more development and like planning and like idea has gone into this game. There's more layers of like it's Wait, just a game in, said, in that vein. You said gems. You said gemstones, but you grindstones. Grindstone. Grindstone. Okay. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> it's an Apple. It, it started out, I guess, like in on the iPad as a one of these like games that were part of like yeah. Apple's game system launch but then has gone on to other systems i guess because they thought somebody should play it you know it shouldn't just be collecting cobwebs Mm -hmm. on their uh system uh but after that i've also finally returned to the wonderful island of genosha which is my island on genosha Genosha, (laughs) yeah on animal crossing which is the x-men island in case uh people don't know that's where i'm at right now that's my life uh i think i got there and i was both pleasantly surprised to see that my island was not as covered in fucking holes and weeds as I thought <laughs> it would be. Like, I'm almost pretty much done cleaning it. And also, like, pleasantly surprised that I had built, like, a little Empire Theaters, which is where we all used oh. to work. Like, I have a little, Horrible. like, spa area. Mm-hmm. I built, like, a little market. Is it also out of business, the Empire Theater? Yes, I mean, it's empty. <laughs> and, uh, the popcorn there is still chilling, so maybe it's stale at this point. You know, I had a little market like I, I had remembered like all the stuff that I did. But with that, too, also came a lot of like, fuck, I was going to fix this and like move this here. And it's like I'm not a big fan of of the the layout of my island. Like I feel like the placement of the the airport to the plaza leaves this kind of weird gap that I have put houses in now. But I wish it was almost like more direct, like the airport to the plaza. So that's like a whole other thing that I can't really change. So it it brought back like a lot of the reasons of like why I was feeling overwhelmed and stopped playing it. But then again, like another on the plus side, uh, one of the villagers that I hated and was on my island, like approached me and it's like, hey, you know what? I'm considering leaving. Do you want me to stay? And I was (laughs) like, like, don't consider it. Just leave. Yeah, obviously. No, I I (laughs) thought you were gone at this point. Like, I'm only returning because I had hope. You're still here. (laughs) You're still exactly. Uh, But also and on the negative side, I was going on my my island and I was like, oh, shit, I like like four of you. And then the rest of you guys are all kind of trash. So I'm hoping that I will find a way to get rid of them. And so it's been like a lot of back and forth. Like, there's a lot of things where I'm like. I kind of remember that I think there's two trees that hold like furniture that if you hit like every single tree on your island, two of them will pop out like random like little leaf icons that then you are furniture that you can place like in your house or on the island. I was like things like that. But I was like, I don't fully remember everything. Or it's like I hit a a rock and then a little gem came out and I was like, oh, I forgot that I was supposed to do like a hole behind me before I did this. So you don't move back as you're hitting the rock and like, you know, eventually you'll get the, the gold ore. 
but it's like all these things have just escaped my brain. So it's going to be like a slow rebuilding process, I think. But, you know, it's I have time before November 5th when things get really exciting. I look forward to you rebuilding both your island and your brain into how to play this game the way that you <laughs> yeah. had it officially before. It's too bad, though, yeah. if you'd left it with all the cobwebs, it would have been like festive for the season. Oh, yes. Well, they're selling pumpkins now. For, for Halloween, and I'm like, well, how long is this going to take to come out? Because we're, like, very close to, the, to, to <laughs> Halloween. Is it too late? Like, I don't know why you're selling me these pumpkins. Can you turn yeah, them into jack, jack-o'-lanterns or no? Yeah, you get, like, there's a, a different new recipes for the, that you can turn, like, pumpkins into decorations. And it's, oh. like, jack-o'-lantern based, I guess. Nice. That's cool. I like that they, they call them recipes when really the recipe for a jack-o'-lantern is a pumpkin and, like, a knife. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you have like a recipe for a bed, so it's like mm, there's no logic in. Yeah, well, I guess if you buy IKEA, there is a lot of recipes going on down there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Diego, I turn to you. I, I wonder if your island is in tatters, or if you've decided I'm just not going to bother with that shit at all and played something else. <laughs> yeah, my island is probably in tatters. I haven't gone back to it in quite some time. Um, I don't know. I guess I I will have to do the same that Rodrigo did. But uh, this week, I I finished. The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening on the Switch. And it was a short game. Since it's just a remake of a Game Boy game, you can get through it pretty quick. But the game was very enjoyable. Uh, it's it's a has a nice balance of uh, hacking enemies and puzzle solving, uh, especially the final two dungeons. I think the first dungeons uh, always try to introduce you to the mechanics of the game, and it gradually gets harder and harder. But of course, the final dungeons always assume that you already have the hang of the game and it really challenges you a lot more and than the than the dungeons that you probably get at the beginning. Um, there are a few things uh, that still, I think, need to be improved about that game. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen, but uh, just like a takeaway from having played that game after such a long time. Um, the game requires you to speak a lot to the villagers and it's something you have to do like all the time in order to find out how to get to the next dungeon. The dungeons themselves aren't very difficult. I think the hard part about that game is figuring out how to get to the next dungeon. And uh, as I said, you just have to talk to these villagers over and over. And sometimes you don't do that because you're just like, I've already talked to this guy. What could, why could it be saying something different? You got stuff to do. Yeah, but it does happen, right? So, um, so yeah, that's the one thing I probably would have improved in that game. Other than that, I think it was uh, it's been a lot of fun just gradually exploring the map as you get the different items as you would in any typical Zelda game. And, uh, you know, I enjoyed it so much that I I hope that Nintendo at some point does go back to making these 2D Zelda games uh, right after they finish Breath of the Wild 2, of course. (laughs) I don't want them to get distracted, but, you know, maybe they could be it could be like in the same um, scenario that they have the metroid series where they have alternating 2d and 3d games coming out i think that would be great and yeah anyways once i was done this game i um checked my steam library and i decided i want to play something more casual i ended up installing slay the spire so i've been playing that uh rodrigo mentioned this game a while ago it's uh it's a game that was on my list to to play And um, as I said, it's been a lot of fun, but it's not as casual as I imagined it to be. I thought since it was a deck building game that I would probably get uh, through a few matches pretty fast. But I've done only two runs so far and I'm still on the second run currently. And I I, like this morning I was playing for like, I'd say like a good almost two hours, I'd say. And I was just doing one run. And so, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, but it's not as casual as I thought, as I said. Uh, I had to stop playing in order to start preparing for this podcast, of course. But uh, yeah, you know, as Rodrigo mentioned, it's it's requires a lot of strategy, but it also requires a little bit of luck of you getting some good cards in order to progress. So I've been busy with that. Other than that, I also had the opportunity to play a few minutes of Ocarina of Time mm-hmm. on the Nintendo Online Expansion Pass, which is out now. And uh, I can't wait to have some more time uh, to time on my hands to. Uh, play through some of these old through these classics once again and hopefully you know maybe play some of these games online i really want to see what the mario kart for the n64 how it plays online i'm really curious about that i think i cut the news story but how are the controls for this game because i've heard the controls are all over the place and people hate them yeah i mean i i did read like a bunch of stuff about it but um to be honest the delay that they're describing it's not it's barely noticeable like 
if you put it side by side, I mean, if you put any of these emulators side by side with the original console, you're always going to find problems, right? And the N64 is one of the consoles that's famous for not being able to emulate very well. It's always had issues. And you can tell, like you can tell like that there's uh, a few things going like, you know, not working very well here and there. It hasn't happened to me, but I have seen videos of people, you know, just showing how the the sound was cutting out. And then a lot of people were saying that there's like uh, input lag, but the input lag is barely noticeable if we're being honest. I think it is very playable at this point. But I mean, I guess we'll have to see like later on, you know, I saw a video of somebody demonstrating the input lag and I was confused as to what I was watching because I was like, that seems like it's matching with the finger that you're inputting. But then they compared it to the N64 and it was like, say, like a frame delay. Yeah. Um, But I don't know. Like I played Mario Kart 2 and it seemed perfectly fine to me. Mm -hmm. I don't think we're discussing really like the the Switch Online stuff in the game later. So I was going to ask you, I guess maybe probably not the kind of surprise, but they data mined this apparently. And there was like some interesting information. I don't know if you guys saw Mm -hmm. that. um, I just saw before the podcast, uh, so I didn't add it. So I was going to add it next week. But go on. Yeah. Yeah. That well, I mean, like, so basically, what they data mine is kind of basically like imagine like an Excel sheet where all the cells are grayed out except mm-hmm. the games that are currently available. Yeah, and so from that, they've been able to determine, say, roughly like the number of games that at least currently are planned to be released for the Nintendo sixty four for the Sega Genesis, but also that, like, say the the Nintendo is marked as I believe three or, or six, Nintendo sixty four is marked as System three. Super Nintendo's two, classic Nintendo's one, Sega Genesis is five. Mm. And so they're saying that there is a system four that is missing there, which is Mm -hmm. most likely the Game Boy, Game Boy Advance that was teased, rumored, basically confirmed from before that has not been released. So that's probably still coming. I can't wait to play Pokemon Yellow for a fourth time on a a (laughs) third console. I'm looking forward to it. You know, that would be that would be like uh Kind of like the first time that they would release it in that way because they really don't do like uh, the Pokemon games in emulators. Even for like the Wii U, I don't think you could buy the Pokemon games in the um, virtual console as it was called back then. I th- I think for the Switch, they released some. They right? did? Am, or am I mistaken? Did they not do like a crystal or something at some I point? I think you're thinking of the 3DS because I remember I played a bunch of them on 3DS when they released oh, them yes, like on individually. The on the 3DS, yeah. yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well. We look forward to them eventually coming to the Switch when they unveil number four, mm-hmm. which is a very weird way. Like, why don't we just call the Genesis four and then people wouldn't suggest five. Anyway, that's fine. Nintendo knows what they're doing. I'm, they're not going to take any advice from me. <laughs> For me this week, what I've been playing is I went back through Eternal again, as I am off to do. As I'm off to do? That just makes sense. As I often do. And I took Diego's advice because Diego said, these games, you need to play one run. And if it's a good run, good it's a bad run you move on to something else you can't live your life this way you can't keep going after bad run after bad run so i took his advice Mm -hmm. and i had a really good run i had i collected the little astronaut that you get which basically like if you die you come back right at the exact same spot with all the same weapons and stuff like that my health was like twice as high as it's ever been i had all these protections like i was dealing 25 percent extra damage i was taking 30 percent less damage i was right about to get to the third boss perfect health Extra astronaut. I had a little, uh, what are they called? They're uh, parasites that you get where it's like you get one good thing, but then one bad thing from them. So I had a parasite where it's like you survive a killing blow, but uh, you take damage uh, when you fall too far. It's like, okay, so I just won't fall too far. I don't know. Who cares? I'll survive the killing blow. So I basically had two extra killing blows that I could survive. I'm about to go to the boss. My PS5 crashed. No way. And it doesn't save progress. I mean, we'll spoil this for the stories later, but it didn't save progress at the time. So that whole run just gone. Just oh gone. my God, that sucks. And then I immediately didn't take your advice because I got pissed off and went right back and did another run. I didn't get any of that <laughs> stuff and I died right away. I was like, I should have listened to Diego. I mean, if my yeah. PlayStation 5 shouldn't have died, but then I should have listened to Diego. <laughs> Does Le- that left you bitter, often? left you bitter. No, that's the first time Does that happen it's often? ever happened, I think, on PS5. Unless, because mm, I feel like it's kind of like like games that are broken, like Cyberpunk, when you play them right away and they just crash often. This is the first time it's mm-hmm. ever happened. But they crash the whole system, or oh, they crash the whole system. Like I had to reboot the whole, the whole system, system, probably. Yeah, really. I don't know. They knew. They didn't want me getting too far. That's fine. <laughs> and then the other game that I played real quick was I borrowed It Takes Two from the library 
and we were only able to play it, uh, me and my girlfriend and I. Me and my girlfriend and I, there's two of us. My oh, girlfriend it's and I. three of you. And uh, <laughs> exactly, it took three. That's how tough the game is. Me, my, me, myself, and Irene. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> and that game is really goddamn charming. And it's, they mm. keep changing up the way the game works. So basically the whole story is you and, it's like these two characters, it's a man and a woman, and they're a couple getting divorced. And the kid finds out, and the kid like starts crying on her dolls, and then the two dolls become the like the husband and the wife. So then you have to go through the whole house to try and find her to save yourselves and whatever. And every level, mm-hmm. it like keeps changing. You keep getting different weapons that one has that the other one doesn't have. At one point, it becomes like a tactical RPG, and it looks like Diablo 3, where it's like 2.5 view, and you have all these weird... Anyway, it's really cool. It's real fun. We got like halfway through and had to bring it back to the library. So I'm back on the wait list. And it's 18 people. It's the rare game that I believe doesn't have a solo version, right? Like you have yeah, to play that. You have to play with it. more than one. Yeah. yeah. Like there's no way. I mean, it literally it takes two. Did yeah. you uh, did you play on your PS5 or PS4? Yeah, PS5. I mean, it's only a PS4 version, but I just played on the PS5. Oh, OK. That was real good. Nice. It's the same guys who made another game called A Way Out. And that one is also a way out. co-op mm-hmm. where it's like two people trying to break out of prison. That one was also real good. Yeah. Yeah. They also made Brothers of Tales Two Sons, which is also real good. All real good from these guys. And I look forward to eventually getting it back from the library in probably three or four months. So we'll see. Another thing we will see are these words from our sponsors. Your podcast is in another castle is brought to you by Layered Butter. If you love movies, there's one book that you need on your shelf, and that's Layered Butter. Each issue is a deep dive into famous directors like Quentin Tarantino, genres like modern horror, or even famous characters like James Bond. Insightful essays are paired with breathtaking art inspired by the movies to make for the one book every cinephile needs. Head over to layeredbutter.com store and buy your issue today. And we are back from seeing these words from our sponsor, The Mind's Eye. That's how we saw them. On to the news, gentlemen. The first topic is God of War is coming to PC. So a new listing for the game reveals it will come to Steam and the Epic Game Store next year on January the 14th, 2022. It's basically one in a long line of PlayStation games that are coming to the PC. They've done this with Days Gone. They've done this with Horizon Zero Dawn. The two most recent Uncharted games are now on there. There's no plans as of yet to do a day and date release from PlayStation and PC. And I can't imagine there ever will be for the time being. Seems like it's just a way to kind of squeeze a little bit more blood out of these games that have been on the market forever. Get a few more bucks out of them. So I get it and I'm fine with it. But I will turn to you, gentlemen. And I'll start with Diego. One of the biggest strengths of the PlayStation brand, the last generation, has been their exclusive. That's kind of been the big thing they've talked about. But does it kind of diminish the lure and the need to buy a PlayStation if you can just kind of wait a little bit for all these games to come out on PC? I mean, imagine we're in a world where you can buy a PlayStation. I mean, I'd be Rodrigo to it, but yes. I was going to say just a little bit seems a bit of a stretch, but continue to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not really sure I'm the right person to answer this because to me, like my my philosophy in buying games has always been, I'm going to wait for it to be on sale, right? So the waiting game is not uh, a bad news for me, to be honest, but uh, I, I wonder like how other people feel about it. Too. Uh, you know, I think it, it does seem a little bit, um, you know, that like Sony is kind of changing their exclusives to be more like timed exclusives. Right. Even though it's like a long time, it's still seeming like that's what's happening right now. Right. But, you know, for, for the, the rest of the PC community, it's really good news. I would say, you know, I'd say modders, the modders are rejoicing right now that they're able to get their hands on uh, a big Sony property, you know, I'd say it's it's pretty big. Like uh, God of War is a big name. I like when you look at the other properties that have gone in there, you'd say it's like okay, maybe they're not the biggest ones, but like we already we're already talking about Uncharted, we're already talking about God of War. Those are big franchises for Sony, right? And it's just interesting to see how uh, Sony is willing to port these games now, it, which you know it's just. Um, it, it means it's an, it's an old game that they figure they can make some extra money from moving it to the PC market. So it does make sense to try to give it this, you know, second life, I'd say. But I'm just wondering, you know, in, in the end, is that really maybe it will affect their fan base feeling that like it's not these games aren't exclusive anymore. I'd say maybe you're the right person to ask uh, and not <laughs> me that question. Right. 
either way, for me, it's it's good news. That's my opinion, of course. Um, I guess now more people can have access to some of the greatest games out there. Personally, I was excited when Microsoft announced that they were bringing a lot of their exclusives to the PC. And having been a Steam member for like a long time, uh, the more they expand that library, the better it is for me. Uh, but a move like that from Microsoft kind of made more sense because for some reason I thought that that market was almost a Microsoft market anyways because they kind of own that PC market, although it's Steam that's kind of getting the money there. But somehow it seems that Sony wants to jump in on that too, you know, and uh, it's definitely, it's it kind of changes the perspective of what their, um, what their priorities might be. Uh, as I said before, Microsoft, it kind of seemed like their priorities was to sell you a gaming experience, kind of like the Netflix of video games, which we've spoken about before, as opposed to selling consoles, right? While Sony, I thought their priority was to sell PS5s, which they seem to be doing very well, but they also seem to be porting these games because I guess they feel they can make some extra money from them. But it's, you know, it's exciting for me. I'd say anybody that uses a, a PC as their as their gaming console, like it's it's cool to see like these Sony exclusives uh, be ported all of a sudden. And, you know, we, we're seeing Uncharted. We've seen God of War. I'm sure that maybe we'll get to see Ghost of Tsushima. Maybe we'll get to see The Last of Us coming out soon as well. Yeah, at this point, it just seems like it's a matter of time before these guys make it over. Because uh, mm -hmm. once the Uncharted and God of War dominoes fell, it's like... They're not going to hold Ghost yeah. of Tsushima at this point. There's no need to no. hold that. But uh, as you said, I was the correct person to ask. I will go. And I will say, uh, I don't care. I, I really, I just, it's fine. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a PC gamer, so it doesn't matter to me that it's on PC. And I think for Sony as well, it doesn't matter because if you're willing to wait for it to be on PC, then you're going to wait like two, three years. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, you want to play the long game, we'll take your money in two to three years. So in the meantime, how would you feel? How would you feel though if that two three years starts to turn to like a year or maybe less than that? Sounds like I'm playing great games a year before everyone else is. <laughs> but <laughs> right? that's so the thing. It's not, is like no harm, no foul, really. Yeah, I mean, it depends on when they're gonna move the goalposts or if they'll move the goalposts in terms of when they'll start putting these games out on PC sooner. But for now, mm -hmm. it seems it's like if you want to play these games badly and you have the hardware to play it, you'll buy it on PlayStation. And then if you don't have the hardware to mm -hmm. play it on PlayStation, they'll just take your money in a couple of years from now. So we'll see if yeah. this has an effect on PlayStation-centric gamers in the future, but I can't imagine it would because they're all kind of like me where they're lazy and they don't want to look up driver updates and get a video card <laughs> yeah. and all that nonsense. They just want to put a disc in the game. Even me, I don't even buy discs anymore. So I just, I go online, like, oh, it's on sale download done i feel like they're yeah. the people who buy playstation consoles are like me where they just they like the simplicity of owning the console the game works on the console it's good to go so i think for the meantime at least the the playstation faithful are fine with their trophies and uh their games eventually coming to pc so rodrigo i will turn to you does this diminish the playstation brand at all with all these exclusives coming over would you feel the same way if super Mario was well, <laughs> Mario Party Superstars was on the PC for everyone to enjoy. Would it diminish its its lure on the Switch? No, I mean to me, I, I it could really simultaneously in all platforms. And I mean, I'm saying like based on the current system, right? Like I would say if it were ever the case where all the Nintendo games were going to be simultaneously really released on a PC versus like the Switch, then maybe next time they're going to launch a console. I would think okay, it doesn't it doesn't make uh, like what what is my best investment? And so I would choose accordingly. But then I wouldn't care what other changes happen or how anybody else is playing it. Like I don't get like FOMO because somebody else is having a good a good time. And I'm well, like, I don't really care about that. But I would say that I think like to me right now, what could be happening here is that Sony they have a board and they have a financial responsibility towards that board to generate a certain amount of money. And with these delays for their chips that they've seen, like I can't imagine that their PS5 sales are what they had hoped they would be, right? And I'm not saying that they sold bad or anything, right? But it's like, it's never been able to reach the top of the charts because they never have enough stock to do that. And so there's definitely been there's a, a gap there, right? There's like a delta. There's a difference between what they expected they were going to make money wise and what they actually had to do. And that's really the point where you have to start being creative. And so like you're saying, 
they're they're uh, releasing games that were formerly exclusive to to the Steam. That is also like in the middle of or kind of, I guess, like the early to middle part of their life cycle. They're not planning on releasing like a PS6 anytime soon. And so it's kind of a safe period to do that. It's three years after the game launched anyway. It's in like it, it's not in, at the point where you're having conversations about whether you should buy a PS6 or like an Xbox Z or whatever the next generation is going to be. And so it's not a bad time to do it. And it's like at the same, like almost like a response to a year where they're having like a financial gap anyway. Now, in the long run, I'm sure that they're smarter people than I would be able to balance out like if we do this too close, like how many sales could we potentially lose to people who would just rather buy like an upgraded computer? But for me, for example, like the Switch is a game that I less so this last year and a half or two years that we've been stuck at home. But it used to be something that when I took public, like when I took the bus to work, that's what I did in the morning, right? Like that's the reason why I bought the Switch because I could take it with me and I could play whatever I was playing. Like I've played Breath of the Wild in the backseat of a Go bus, right? Like that's not something that can be offered to me with a PC or I guess not potentially with a Steam Deck at some point, but not at this very moment. And so that's kind of the reason why I chose also, like the price point is at the end of the day a difference too, right? And so there's a variety of factors that you 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 take into consideration when you're going to choose kind of like which console am I locking in for this next generation to buy these games? And so yeah, exclusive games do become part of that equation at some point. But once you've chosen and you know that these games are available, I don't know that you should really be looking to to like the other person's plate to see what they're able to eat and just making sure that you have more food than them, right? Like, it's just like, <laughs> chill. If you're enjoying your meal, then what does it matter if other people are happy too? The only way for me to enjoy my meals is if everyone else is having a bad time. I make sure everyone else has yeah. a side <laughs> of misery. A side of other people's misery is what exactly. you need. I'm also glad that you're basically saying that you need the PlayStation Vita 2 in order for us to enjoy these uh, PlayStation games on, on the run. So I'm glad that you brought it up. <laughs> also looking at other ways that sony is looking to make money off their playstation properties there is an uncharted movie in the works and we finally got a trailer for it so this movie has been long gestating in uh development hell the first official trailer has dropped this week it's kind of like a prequel of sorts and it's really only a prequel because they cast tom holland who's way too young to be nathan drake so i guess mm -hmm. by default it's kind of a prequel so the movie has been around for so long that it entered development in 2008, which was like a year after the first Uncharted game, and Uncharted 2, 3, 4, Lost Legacy, Golden Abyss, and Fight for Fortune had not come out yet. And Mark Wahlberg, who is now the older mentor figure of the movie Sully, this movie's been going on for so long, he was originally supposed to be Nathan Drake, the younger player. So anyway, one of my favorite things about this movie is that Seth Rogen was originally one of the writers of this movie in its upteenth uh, version that was supposed to be made. And he said, I literally couldn't find a way not to make it Indiana Jones. So I think that was very funny. So that's why he left, because he just couldn't yeah. make it different. The movie takes very heavy influence from some spots on these games, primarily their cargo plane scene that they basically ripped directly out of three. It also has kind of a more serious tone, which is more reminiscent of the fourth game, which is great because those are my two least favorite games. So, Rodrigo, I will start with you. This isn't the Layered Butter podcast. We're not about movies, but this crossover has brought us to this moment. I need your reaction to this trailer. I want to know if it gets you interested in going back to play the Uncharted games. I know you have Uncharted 3 on PlayStation 3. It's probably waiting for you there. Does this feel like a video game adaptation movie or does this seem like it could actually be a good movie on its own merit? I would say that I'm not going to approach this from a place of knowledge of Uncharted and I respect people that are fans of the franchise and knowledgeable of this. I don't want to speak for them, but I can speak for us. I can tell you how I feel from a, a similar perspective. When the first X-Men movie came out, I'm a comic book fan. I've been a comic book fan all, all my life. Like you can't see because this is an audio format, but behind me there's like a huge bookcase just full of comics top to bottom. And when the first movie came out, uh, they cast Storm uh, with the actress Halle Berry. Now, Halle Berry is an Academy Award winning actress. She sure has had uh, some not great movies like Catwoman, but she is an actor of some reputation. And in fact, in that cast was potentially one of the bigger names besides maybe like Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart. Halle Berry is a black woman. She does not look at like Storm at all. There was a major point of contention when this movie came out. Storm is like a six foot something muscular, dark skinned woman. She is, in fact, so athletically like gifted and, and, and muscular that she, when she lost her powers, 
she still beat Scott Summers for the Cyclops for the leadership of the X-Men. Like that is how, uh, how like, you know, powerful athletically a creature storm is, you know, but, and Halle Berry is none of those things. Now, what I'm trying to say is that there was a lot of outrage similarly. That movie and the faults that it has, the X-Men franchise, have very little to do with how much or how little Storm looks like comic book Storm, and more so with the level of writing, directing choices, like story choices that they did in, like, say, X, like X2 is good, not because uh, the, the actors look like their counterparts in the comic book, but because there was, like, good writing and directing involved. And similarly, X3 is terrible, and not because, like, Juggernaut is quoting verbatim, like a quote from from a YouTube uh, version of Juggernaut, or Jamie Madrox has like the spot on uniform that he has in the comic books, but because there was like bad writing and directing choices in that. And so what I'm trying to say is that I don't like I can tell you without having any uncharted knowledge that I saw that movie and I was like, this is a movie that looks good like okay like i have i have no negative reaction to it like it's like it looks like a movie that the rock would make that was exactly like, a, was like a, a jumanji kind of thing and it's like i have no antipathy to like, i took my 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 niece to see jungle cruise not too long ago and it was like a fun time like it was okay right but it's like i i do understand like when it's something that's near and dear to your heart that there's a lot of expectations toward it and i would just say that whether or not Tom Holland looks exactly like the video game version in which I think we can admittedly say he looks like a good 20 years, 10 years younger. Um, and he looks like, I think I called him on Twitter, the twink version of Nathan Drake. Um, I think we'll have less to do on how good this movie ends up being as it will, whether or not the writers and the directors are able to understand what makes the Uncharted uh, story special. And I guess like Seth Rogen is admittedly saying that he's having a hard time figuring that one out. And so I'm more worried about that than I am like the 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 Tom Holland of it all, which I think has been like the main point of contention online. Um I could I don't know enough to say whether the rest of the trailer displays kind of an understanding of it or not. Like I'll leave that to uncharted experts, but I would also just caution that teasers and trailers these days often either show nothing or show too much. So it's hard to understand where the movie will land. I, it's a video game movie, so I would say, like, approach it with a high degree of apprehension anyway. And just, like, you know, for the people that really wanted, like, some video game accuracy, always remember that Mortal Kombat made their characters look just like the the game and have not landed a single good movie yet. Damn. I always enjoy uh, dragging another series franchise down <laughs> with you all discussing a different one, so that's perfect. Uh, Especially video game ones, right? Exactly. Uh, very briefly, so I guess, as the Uncharted expert on this panel, I will say that this movie looked like someone had vaguely read the Wikipedia entry for half of the Uncharted's and was like, we can probably put some of that stuff in there. We can throw some of that. We'll put a little in there. And then <laughs> it seemed like they wanted it to be more like Uncharted. Like Mark Wahlberg isn't going to be a good Nathan Drake, but he would have been fine. But then it seemed like they couldn't figure out a way to make the real Uncharted work, so they just put Tom Holland, who is a bigger name, and then tried it from a different perspective which is fine if they they're doing kind of their own spin on it and then vaguely mentioning it in the background it's like do you remember this scene from the game well now it's here in the movie kind of so i mean again ultimately i don't care but i hope it's good i don't i don't think it will be but i hope the people that they're going for because it doesn't look like they're going for the uncharted fans here it looks like they're just going for the general action movie crowd I hope they enjoy it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Hopefully they make more. And, then and people I mean, like those are not comparable audiences in size, right? No. Like the Uncharted audience versus like the movie. Oh, no, no. Audience. They made the right decision. I'm not I'm not I'm not saying they <laughs> yeah. should have stuck it with me going. No, and I'm not speaking to you. Like, I feel like you're a more reasonable person than most. I feel like the Internet is I, I guess my bigger point is like making uh, Tom Holland, like casting Mark Wahlberg as Nathan Drake who or Nathan Fillion, who was, I guess, like the person who looks just like him would not have guaranteed you a good movie. Like, there's bigger structural issues that have to go well for this movie to succeed than that. And Uncharted fans don't want to admit that Nathan Fillion is probably a little bit too old to be. He's 50 years old, guys. Let the man <laughs> rest. We should let it go. I mean, we should make another Firefly, but we should definitely let him go as Uncharted. So, Diego, I turn to you. Do you fall... Are you like me, where you're upset and this movie needs to be canceled because it didn't cast Nathan Fillion? Or are you more like Rodrigo and you're level-headed and you're like, nah, it's probably be fine. What, what are you expecting from this, this Uncharted film? <laughs> 
Uh, I'm not expecting much because <laughs> uh, it's a video game movie. But you know what? I, after seeing the trailer, I'm not too upset with this movie either. I I didn't realize that there was so much backlash about Tom Holland playing Nathan Drake. It's I from watching the trailer, I could see this is a very uh, a, you know a, an Indiana Jones type movie clearly, and it's it seems like we we haven't had one of those in a long time. I know that uh, Harrison Ford is just wrapping up uh, filming on the last Indiana Jones, which means that you know it's somebody else is gonna gonna have to fill that void, and maybe it's gonna be this Uncharted movie, maybe not. Mm. Who knows? That's asking a lot of it, mm. but. We'll see. I mean, I'm not too upset with Tom Holland acting as Nathan Drake. I think he he might fit the role pretty well. I I think you know he played uh, Spider Man, and because uh, he he he's able to play that young, awkward, sarcastic role, and he, I guess Nathan Drake isn't as awkward, but he's definitely sarcastic. So he's definitely going to fall in line with that. Um, the whole thing about people being upset. <laughs> That like Nathan Fillion wasn't cast as Drake is, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. He, I guess he kind of does look like like Nathan Drake, but it it is asking a lot of uh, an older actor, you know, and maybe a lot of people, they would have been happier with seeing Nathan Fillion. And maybe that would have caused a bias in their head and made them think like, oh, that movie is really good. And now just because it's Tom Holland, they're just going to hate on it because, you know, it's just Tom Holland, you know, from from what I understand this from. What I saw in the trailer, this movie's clearly going to be a, a prequel. And that's why, you know, Nathan Drake is so young. And, yeah, you know, Sully is also played by Mark Wahlberg, which I guess is younger as well. And, you know, I, I don't know. It it could be a good movie. Who knows? I hope it is because it's about time that we get a good video game movie. <laughs> I mean, I, I it definitely looks a lot better than when they made the movie of uh, the Tomb Raider movie. Not mm. like the... Angelina Jolie one, like the older Alicia ones. Vikander. Yeah, Alicia Vikander one. Like and that one didn't actually look bad to me, right? But I never ended up watching it. It I got just hit such terrible reviews. This one actually looks a little bit better. I think I might actually buy a, a ticket and go see it at a movie theater. Uh, I have some hopes for it, I guess. But either way, it's just fun to see that Sony's uh, willing to take some chances with their game franchises, you know, start sending them to the big screen. I, for one, am very excited to see what they do with The Last of Us. Uh, as a, I guess that one's going to be a TV series, so not really the big screen. But I'm just wondering, you know, if they keep on making movies like, uh, let's say they decide to make a God of War movie, who would they cast for that? Or who would they cast and who would they cast that would upset the fans? Who knows? Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> Timothy Chalamet. Kratos. Kratos. <laughs> 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 Timothy Chalamet is the little kid. Oh, no, no. Yeah, Kratos. Yeah, that's good. No, he's, he's Kratos. Kratos. Oh, shit. I will say, too, as one final thought from me, that the trailer came out and people were upset at uh, Tom Holland being cast in a movie where his co-star is a man that when, uh, in 1986 chased three black children yelling, kill the N-word, kill the N-word, kill the N-word. And years after that, uh, grabbed, uh, assaulted a Vietnamese man saying Vietnamese, Vietnam fucking shit. Like he uh, attacked another Vietnamese man, punching him in the eye yeah. and had absolutely no regret. Uh, Mark Wahlberg is kind of a piece of shit. So mm-hmm. I think maybe like adjust your 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 anger accordingly, maybe. And don't be as angry as the person that just took a job that was offered to him. And maybe uh, save some of that for the incredibly violent man that has been cast alongside him. And he doesn't even have the mustache that Sully has. I agree, Rodrigo. We're on the same page. <laughs> That's the real crime. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm getting real tired of talking about things that I know a lot about. So I'm going to go to the next story, which is something I have no idea what I'm talking about. So a Mario Party minigame has returned, but this time it comes with a warning. So basically, mm-hmm. it's a game of tug of war that was originally from Mario Party 64, and it has returned in Super Mario Party Superstars. So I haven't played it. I just watched the video. Looked like a normal tug of war game. Apparently, though, you'd have to spin the analog stick to pull the rope. And often, kids would just spin the stick with their palm to spin it faster. I did the same thing with many games in the Olympics 2008 game. And it wasn't a lot of fun. Uh, that was a game that we bought. We borrowed from Blockbuster so often that my friend's mom just bought it because she got tired of renting it. So I, I guess I can feel the same kind of. We are in luck this week because we have somebody who has been victim of this. In this oh, perfect! I have in this. Room. I have personal experience with this. Well, Diego, you have to wait for me to, to cut to you directly. So this this game basically has resulted in kids who suffered cuts, punctures, blisters, and friction burns on their hands from spinning that stick silly. So Nintendo's solution back in the day was to send anyone with proof of purchase 
four pairs of protective fingerless gloves. The solution is now much simpler and likely much cheaper. With the new game coming out, they have simply now put a warning before the game that tells players to avoid irritation on your skin and or damage to the control stick, do not rotate it with the palm of your hand. So Diego, I guess I will turn to you and I will say, how effective was this warning for you in uh, not destroying your hands? Uh, it wasn't effective at all. No, it's surprising. It's just a tip. I don't understand why Nintendo would uh, do go back to this game. And, you know, I, I feel like they haven't learned anything from the past. I remember how much trouble they got into with people hurting themselves and damaging their controllers when, while they were playing this mini game. And, you know, I thought they'd learned their lesson. And that's why they removed those mini games from the like the next Mario Party. That, that game is literally a game from Mario Party 1. And it was gone for Mario Party 2 because there was, you know, so much backlash of, you know, kids hurting themselves and so forth. But I guess, you know, they just want to stir up some more shit again all of a sudden. <laughs> Uh, as I mentioned, I myself was one of those people you were that got blisters that got blisters on their hands for playing this game so intensely. As you described, the game, you, it requires you to rotate the joystick like in a 360 motion as fast as possible. And if you think about it, you can do it way faster with your palm than you can do it with your thumb. So that's what everybody was doing is just like the natural motion. And as I did this as a kid, I remember not only did I destroy my the joystick on my N64 controller, I actually got like this blister situation that I had never had before in my life. It was two separate blisters on the palm <laughs> of my hand that were like there were two separate ones, but they were slightly connected by this thin line where I could just like push like the liquid from one blister to the other. And it was right. fucked up. It was messed up. But, you know, I was playing it. I was a kid. I didn't even care. Oh, At yeah. some point, these blisters, they they, you know, they kind of like blew up and it was painful as fuck. But eventually, somehow, I, I found a glove and I just continued to play the game. <laughs> so just really, I was a child. I didn't give a shit. I just wanted to keep on playing it. But that was because I was a kid back then. Now, now that I'm an adult, I have an adult strength. And, you know, I'm really going to do some damage to these controllers. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> but I'm no, but seriously, though, nothing was learned. Like It was neither me learning or Nintendo learning. But like seriously... <laughs> If I was a Nintendo Switch Joy-Con right now, I'd be sweating like that Jordan Peele meme because like <laughs> kids are going to destroy their hands and those controllers. I don't understand why they would do this, especially since like Nintendo's had so many issues with these Joy-Con controllers. They I, like, you know, like people were complaining like, oh, my controllers have drift. Like your controllers have drift. Can you imagine what these controllers are going to be like after playing this game? They're going to absolutely destroy this. But it drifts into another galaxy. I guess Nintendo doesn't care because they're just like, we've made so much money. If we do get lawsuits, we're just going to have, you know, enough money to throw at this thing and not really give a shit. It's fine. They'll make more gloves, I think, and that'll should solve the problem. Rodrigo, I ask you, is this warning, is it going to work on you the way it has not worked on Diego? Are you prepared to spin the joystick slower so you don't ruin your controllers but thus lose the game? I mean, it's going to depend on what other people are doing, mm. right? Like, because it's like you don't have the same amount of friction or traction if you're using your thumb to rotate this than you do if you go into your palm and do it. Likewise, like when it's like button mashing games, like if you try to just hit it like from the top, it's different than if you fully stop like grabbing the control and are just kind of like almost scratching the buttons like at high speed. Mm -hmm. So it's like if I see other people doing it, there's no way that you can win the game unless you're at that level. So I guess it's context dependent right like i will see what other people are doing ideally we will not all be doing the palm thing because like diego said i think the joy con is the one that will suffer but in the end you have to do what you have to do to win i also think that i approach it with a degree of understanding as an adult that i did not have as a child right like i know now like i don't think anybody ever did that knowing that they could potentially get blisters and could potentially ruin their controller it's just that they really wanted to win if i do it now i'm going to do it and so for example if i'm in fourth and i have no chance of winning this thing i'm not going to break my controller for that i'm not going to get blisters for that so i think like it's it's a different attitude now in the year 2021 from me than it is when i was a child i do think that it is okay to uh, ask for adults and chill well i mean children that are ideally supervised by adults to have a certain degree of accountability in their actions but you know like i said once it gets too competitive everything's out the window and you have to do what you have to do the loser mentality and i look forward to destroying my controllers to come in third <laughs> place instead of fourth in these games <laughs> well we'll see because maybe you'll destroy your controller and you're not even like really gonna win right so i mean that's, you're never gonna win that's if you don't definitely try. gonna happen 
It's definitely gonna happen. <laughs> we're, we're gonna have so many broken Joy Cons. I don't understand why Nintendo's doing this. Mm. Seems like Nintendo's found a good way to buy, get people to buy more Joy Cons. But anyway, on to the quick bites, gentlemen. In an incredibly on-brand move, the Cyberpunk 2077 and Witcher 3 next-gen upgrades have been delayed to 2022. The biggest thing with this is that I thought these upgrades were already out, so it's a good thing I didn't start Cyberpunk <laughs> yet, because that game is probably still a mess. So that's going to sit on my... Can you imagine free. if you're you're on that team and you have like Cyberpunk on your LinkedIn and you're like, God damn it, this game is just like a fucking anchor on my career. <laughs> I would just get rid of it. It's like, it's the only game you've ever made. It's like, it's fine. I'll just start from zero. I'll start from nothing. <laughs> Also, another patch that has been aiming to fix Konami's eFootball game has also been delayed. Best of luck to that game, but at this point, I would just delay it until you pay for the FIFA name and put it on that game, because that's really the only thing that's going to save this game. In your weekly awful things that are happening in gaming with Activision Blizzard, they have found a way to wriggle out of one of their lawsuits. Or potentially found a way, I should say. So basically, the company alleges that the California Department of Fair and Equal Housing, who was involved in the other lawsuit against the company, warned employees that finding their own lawyers in favor of cooperating with their investigation would be detrimental. So basically, Activision Blizzard is trying to get them thrown off of one case and then therefore seen as incompetent to do the other case. So good for them. Finding new ways to find new lows. Also, 20 people from Activision Blizzard have exited the company over these harassment lawsuits. Exited is a nice term that covers fired or stepped down so that they were not fired. Xbox mini fridge pre-orders have sold out within 15 minutes. Basically, there were jokes that the Xbox Series X looks like a mini fridge, which then became a joke that Xbox were making the mini fridge, which then became Xbox making the mini fridge, which then led to it sold out. So good for them. Sometimes jokes pay off. Among Us is finally coming to PlayStation and Game Pass. This is news to me because I thought it was already out on PlayStation and Game Pass <laughs> a long ass time ago. Everyone enjoyed the pandemic's second favorite game. New World's economy is so busted that players are bartering for items. So basically, the coins that you're getting for completing tasks in this game are often not enough to counterbalance what you have to actually spend in order to go on the tasks. So players are just foregoing using coins at all and just bartering with each other for items instead. Did I put this here just because the king of capitalism made a game where everyone is now trading for everything? You betcha. <laughs> you bet I did. Sony has introduced a patent that will let viewers vote and pay to boot other players from games. So Sony has patented a system in which spectators to a live stream can vote to remove a player from an ongoing game or just pay for the privilege to boot the player without voting. I can't possibly see this going wrong in any fashion, so good on you, Sony. Finally, gleefully, and most importantly, a returnal patch has been introduced to let you suspend your runs. It only lets you save once during the run, but it's a whole lot of better than not saving at all and then having to put your system into rest mode for three days and hope that it doesn't get eaten by an update. So good on them. We have pressured them to give us one save. We need to keep the pressure up for unlimited saves. We can do it, boys. We can do it. One more thing that we can do is bring you these words from our sponsors. Your podcast is in another castle is possible thanks to the support of our good friends at Ola Translation. The Hispanic Ontario Language Agency, or Ola, is a translation agency based in Ontario, founded by four Hispanic Canadians who want nothing else but to help people around the world to communicate in their favorite language, Spanish. Head over to olatranslation.org and use code CASTLE for an exclusive discount only available to our listener. Say goodbye to Google Translate and say hola to Ola Translation. And we have returned. Thank you for joining us, everyone. We got the hot and fresh games. We got the games coming out this week that we need you to play. I'm going to start, and I'm going to start with Guardians of the Galaxy. The third player action adventure game, which is my shit pretty much always based on the Marvel characters that you all love, made by Eidos Montreal, who are the guys who did the Deus Ex games. Game is giving me a lot of Mass Effect vibes in places, the way you're controlling uh, your squad mates and all that. You can't bang aliens like you did in Mass Effect, but the 80s soundtrack <laughs> is a great way to make up for it. So Rodrigo, I turn to you. What game is hot? What game is fresh that you'll be playing this week? Uh, the one I think that I am going to be really into is the one that we've already briefly discussed, which is Mario Party Superstars. Uh, that comes out on, I guess, like the Friday 
October 29th, I guess. I don't know when that is for the listener. Uh, yeah, it's it's a compilation version of a Mario Party. There isn't any net new content, but all the games that are your, your classic games that you've enjoyed as you were growing up have been remade. They look beautiful. They play fun. Potentially can give you some injuries. So I'm definitely going to check it out. I will probably have a Mario Party party on the day of the launch so that I can try it out. I look forward to blistering with you, my friend. It'll be a good time. <laughs> Diego, what's hot? What's fresh? What's coming out this week that we got to play? Uh, so this week uh, sees the release of Fatal Frame Maiden of Blackwater on the Nintendo Switch. This is another Wii U port. It's a game that was produced by Koei Tecmo. And you play as three different protagonists as they explore the haunted Mount Hikami with their Camera Obscura, which is a special camera capable of repelling vengeful ghosts. Uh, in addition to seeing ghosts that attack you, the camera helps you explore the environment to see things that you typically wouldn't see with a naked eye. It's kind of like a Pokemon Snap, but a lot spookier. <laughs> a little bit. And this, this game is uh, releasing on October 28th, just in time for Halloween. Everyone enjoyed the spooky time that you wanted in, uh, in Pokemon Snap but that Nintendo was too afraid to give you. Gentlemen, I bring us to the next segment. This is Game of the Year every year. This is where we, as a podcast, must decide what is the Game of the Year for a particular year. This year, we're up to 2017. Now, gentlemen, we haven't discussed our choices before, but the decision must be unanimous. If we cannot unanimously decide what is the Game of the Year, we turn it over to the listeners. You can vote on our story and on the post we're going to be putting this Monday we need you to decide who will be the game of the year 2017. If it's not unanimous, but it's, it's probably not going to be unanimous. I'm going to go on a limb. It's not going to be unanimous. Diego, I will start with you. What is the game of the year for 2017? So my choice for game of the year 2017 is none other than The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. There it is. That game, like many other Zeldas before it, is a masterpiece. It's, it's like the perfect evolution of the game series. From a linear, story-focused, puzzle-solving experience to an open sandbox storytelling masterpiece, it's very true and evident that Eiji Onuma was inspired by many uh, open-world games like Skyrim, but the product with which he ended up with is something so impactful that the game itself has become an immediate inspiration for other games. Like, how often uh, do we hear video game journalists defining games like Metroidvania-type game or a Zelda-type game? It happens often because Nintendo's just good at creating these games. And this one, of course, is no different. Uh, look at games like Genshin Impact and Immortals Phoenix Rising. These games are accurately described as a Breath of the Wild clone or a Breath of the Wild type game. And it's borrowed so much from the Zelda game. I will admit that when I played it, uh, when I started seeing the footage and played it for the first time, I wasn't immediately sold on it. But when I started to play it, it felt like um, so natural once again, you know, and it's it's always that way with me and like Zelda games. If there's something that bothers me, I just keep on playing this game and I realize like Nintendo knows what they're doing. And in this case, like they hit it out of the park. This is probably like my new favorite Zelda game uh, of all time. Before this, my fa my favorite Zelda game was Ocarina of Time, which is probably the more popular one, popular choice. But I'd say this is my new favorite Zelda game of all time, and it's my definite nominee for Game of the Year for 2017. Blended. To be expected, but had to be noted. Rodrigo, I'll turn to you. Well, we have the first ever double decision with the same Game of the Year for 2017. What is your choice for Game of the Year? Uh, before I guess I announce my, uh, my Game of the Year for 2017, I do want to give a couple uh, of shout-outs for some excellent games that came out in 2017 that I am unfortunately not able to award this to. Uh, number one being Night in the Woods. Uh, it's, a, uh, uh, I guess, I, I what would we call this? Like an, uh, an adventure game that's kind of focused like on exploration and stuff. It's really fun. The art is beautiful. Definitely check it out if you haven't. Cuphead, uh, a throwback to the classic animation. Uh, and then uh, big shout out to the one that almost I, I decided to go with to Hollow Knight, which is a game that has been so incredibly like so good about capturing a genre that i think it is the new standard uh, perhaps metroid dread is now the new standard but before that like it was the the standard which metroidvania games were compared to even though it is not even in the name of the genre like it had exceeded i think a lot of metroid or castlevania games into being so i had a really hard time not going with that one 
Also, unfortunately, shout out to Super Mario Odyssey, which is the one that I was kind of thinking of going with. I think it is the best Mario game that we have ever had exceeding Galaxy, which was already like a, a top tier game. But I do have to agree with Diego. I think in 2017, there is one game that I think uh, kind of captured the zeitgeist and it is Breath of the Wild. I mean, to, to call a game a masterpiece is not an easy thing to do, but it's hard to argue when like an aggregator of reviews can average it out to 97 out of 100. Like you're dropping barely any marks here. And so I think, you know, the game itself is enough that it could have been like the most memorable Legend of Zelda game that we've ever had. But now on top of that, it is going to have a sequel, which is like super rare. And that's just, I think, uh, uh, an, an example of just how meaningful it, it's been to Nintendo, to the gamers, to the Legend of Zelda fans. Hard to, to think of another game that I would say is the game of the year for 2017. Well, lucky for you, it's not hard for me because I'm not a Nintendo dog like you boys. I didn't even play this game. I should. I will get to it at some point. But luckily <laughs> for this podcast, we will get some engagement on this post because it is not unanimous. I do have a different choice for game of the year of 2017. First, I will say Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice was fantastic. It was a game that... It, dealed, it dealt with mental health issues in a way that wasn't in your face and it wasn't obvious and it kind of got you within your own head at a lot of times when you'd have different voices coming at different sections of you. Anyway, I thought it was great. Uncharted Lost Legacy, a great game, a great Uncharted that didn't even have Nathan Drake in it. They did a real good job on that one. However, Horizon Zero Dawn gave me a game with a girl out of her time. People compared it a lot to uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild, and rightfully so. You're, both, you're all shooting arrows at stuff. Big difference in this game is it is in this far off future where we basically screwed up robots so bad that we have robot dinosaurs walking the earth. We got to shoot them down with bows and arrows. I thought it was fantastic. The only way is it could be bested is if there was a masterpiece that came out that year. And there was. And it's called Danganronpa 3. Danganronpa 3 is my choice for Game of the Year 2017. It turns the whole series on its head in a way that it can basically never recover because it can never be bested, and because they also made some very bold, but maybe very unnecessary narrative choices. So I, uh, I appreciate that they did it. I don't know if they should have, but I'm real glad they did. So for people who don't know about Danganronpa, because it doesn't sound like a game that anyone should know about, basically, <laughs> it takes these high school children and puts them in this... Uh, in a squid it, game. Yeah, if you've seen Squid Game, it's kind of similar <laughs> to that. Basically, you get out. Basically, you're all trapped together. The only way to get out is to kill another one of your students. They then have a trial where everyone tries to decide who is the killer. If they decide that it is you and you get found out, you die. If you get away with it, you get to leave. Everyone else dies. Real good. There were three different trials in this game that my jaw hit the floor, including the very first trial where it's, it's I can't even describe it without even spoiling it because the whole thing is just a spoiler. And I don't know if anyone's going to play Danganronpa 3, so I'd, spoiler probably wouldn't matter, but I thought it was fantastic. Another great moment that I had was that I was playing it on my Vita and I was on an airplane. And this is back when people were allowed to take airplanes legally to travel to other countries. And there was a scene where there was like a teenage girl in her bra and panties looking scared. And I don't know if I was more uncomfortable or like the f old Frenchman beside me was more uncomfortable. But it was <laughs> a fantastic experience that we both had to share together. My game of the year, 2017, is Danganronpa. So gentlemen, it was not unanimous. It will take our listeners to decide. And it's probably not going to be a tough choice, but they will decide. They will vote on the post that we're going to post on at our social at another castle CA on Instagram. It's going to put up a little story there, put up a little post. Feel free to vote. If it's going to be Danganronpa 3 or is it, I mean, it could be Zelda Breath of the Wild. A little game yeah. known as Breath exactly. of the Wild. <laughs> we'll find out. It's going to be a close vote. It's not going to be a close vote. And finally, our final segment of the day. And I'm glad you both decided that you were talking about Breath of the Wild because it brings us to our final boss. Our final boss is my girlfriend, Marie. And she wants to know, gentlemen, do you think the sequel to Breath of the Wild will be disappointing as the original set the bar too high? As a man who has not played the original Breath of the Wild, <laughs> I trust him. I think Nintendo knows what they're doing. They're going to give us a good shot. I think they're going to do well. But I'll turn to you, gentlemen. Rodrigo, I'll start with you. Did they set the bar too high? Or 
will they surpass it with the next Breath of the Wild? I mean, I, I, it, I guess it, it's hard to define what disappointing means and to whom, right? Like, for example, when Ocarina of Time came out, like I thought there was no game that could ever exceed it. And now, lo and behold, there's one that I think is better. But shortly after Ocarina of Time, they had the same problem uh, of wondering of like, how could they follow up with a game that at that time was seen as a masterpiece? And they released Majora's Mask, which is a very different game, but is a brilliant game too, right? And and managed to reuse a lot of the assets from the previous one to provide an experience that I would deem comparable to what you had in this other excellent game. So when I, like what my, like obviously anything is possible, but my expectations are that they will do a great job and like whether or not I will like it more than Breath of the Wild 1 or 2 is a different question than whether or not I will find that game disappointing right like I think to me disappointing would be a game that I'm playing and I'm not enjoying because if I'm having a positive experience and it, it's not disappointing me right like I think it, that for other people perhaps like the bar is like will this game be better than number one and if if it's not it's a disappointment that's not where I'm holding it to like, I think, you know, it's Beethoven can't write like nothing but bops, right? Like at some point he had to kind of like, you know, like there are varying degrees of success, even though he's still a genius. And so that's kind of how I feel about the Legend of Zelda franchise. Like even the games that I think are like Miley's favorites are games that I absolutely love. And so I don't think like disappointment is really a risk for me. Now, having said that, what I've seen so far of the story elements and the analysis of the short trailers that we have given is giving me the sense that it is going to tie into uh, Skyward Sword that just came out. And if it does manage to tie into that lore more, that is one thing that I would have absolutely loved. Another expectation that I kind of hope that they're fixing is having a little bit more of uh, bigger temples as opposed to a lot of the shrines that they had. I think that's a lot of feedback that they received. I don't know if that's something that they're necessarily going to take into account. Like I said, like, why would they listen to me when they already made the best game that, that they've ever made for the Legend of Zelda franchise, right? But that would be another thing that I would I would love to see. And uh, I had a third one, but it's I'm blanking on right now. But I, I like I, I guess the conclusion, will it disappoint me? Probably not. Like, they would have to be like a very bad game. And it, with the same people behind it, it seems unlikely that that's going to happen. Oh, good. I'm glad your expectations are properly set and you're ready for whatever they will bring you. But Diego, yeah. to continue with Rodrigo's comparison, uh, if Breath of the Wild was like Mozart, will we get it surpassed with the Beethoven bops in Breath of the Wild 2? <laughs> I don't. I, it could be, right? You know, it's, I, I guess in Mozart and Beethoven, that's like a matter of opinion. And I think it works the same way with this one. There's, there is always that possibility of disappointment. Uh, but it seems harder to imagine at this point since we've already seen the trailer and since we already know that they're basically building upon the framework of the last game. So I think um, the first game ran a bigger risk of failing since it was something completely new, especially to Zelda fans. And now that we've all played Breath of the Wild, there's a lot of hype out there, you know, and that hype can work in two ways. In my case, as long as the game resembles Breath of the Wild in some way, shape or form, the hype I have will only feed into it. And, you know, it will kind of just give me a bias toward liking it more. Right. On the other hand, if they switch it up too much, then, you know, there could be some disappointment there. But it's it's harder for me to imagine this being true, since, like I mentioned before, they really don't need to change much about this game. I think Nintendo also knows that. And that's why they're making a sequel to to this game, which is kind of a series first. We really don't see like direct sequels to Zelda games. And I, I think their intent for this one is just to keep the gameplay and just add a few more things here and there. And it also seems like what Rodrigo mentioned, uh, they want to make the story a little bit more prominent. Uh, that is one thing that Breath of the Wild, I think perhaps we, we needed a little bit more story. Uh, I love the freedom that we had in exploring the map, but because of that, the story felt often uh, out of pace. Um, and, you know, it's not to say that the story was bad. It just felt short to me. And I think what AG is doing uh, right now like he 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 clearly understands the fandom and he wants to tie the zelda stories together more and more and if that's it wasn't like nintendo's intention initially but i think that's definitely the way the series is headed so like even though i do feel that there is a possibility of disappointment i don't think uh, we will see it with the zelda game 
I think Nintendo expects this game to sell like crazy. So I don't think we'll, they're, they're going to change the formula too much. I mean, maybe the next one, maybe the next Zelda game will be disappointing, but I don't think this one will. Well, one thing that we know is not disappointing was this episode. We brought you another Beethoven bop for all of you listeners. <laughs> we thank you for joining us. Make sure you follow us on all the socials at Another Castle CA. We're going to need your help to decide what is our game of the year for 2017. Will it be inevitably Zelda Breath of the Wild or Danganronpa 3? <laughs> it could be either one. It all can only be one, and we must find out on our socials. <laughs> Make sure you follow us. Make sure you have a good time. Uh, check up on your people. Ask them if they're doing well. Tell them you love them. Have a, have a good day, everyone. But most importantly, it's dangerous to go alone, so take this podcast with you.